0: Chapter Five of *The Mind, the Paint Girl*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Butros. *The Mind, the Paint Girl* by Lewis Tracy. Chapter Five in the Depths. Twenty-four hours after his return to London, Jays was summoned to Huntingdon. As the military euphemism puts it, he had asked to be allowed to resign his commission, and having taken the most irrevocable step, was already beginning to regret it, when an ominous message from his old home banished all other considerations. A telegram addressed to the Curra had been re-telegraphed to his club, and the text was sufficiently alarming. Come at once, it said, "Your mother is seriously ill, Mortimer, the sender he knew was his mother's medical attendant. He caught the next train from King's Cross and astonished Dr. Mortimer by meeting him at the garden gate of Ambala, a house named after the first Indian station, commanded by the late General Jays. You here, Nico cried the doctor, I didn't expect you till some time to-morrow. "'I was in town, and your wire followed me. "'My mother is better, I hope. "'What's wrong with her?' "'Dr. Mortimer hesitated. "'This man was a soldier, "'and it would be no kindness to deceive him, "'even for a day. "'Still, Mrs. Jays is seriously ill,' he began. "'But the other interrupted, "'with something of panic in face and voice. "'I know that,' he said. "'The telegram told me as much. "'Man, don't say she is dead.' "'No, Nico, but she will not recover.' Jays almost reeled. Had some evil report reached Quiet Huntingdon long before he had been able to prepare the way? Did his mother know he had sent in his papers? Had she collapsed under the blow? God! Was he to go through life believing he had killed her? "'You must bear up, Nico, said the kindly doctor, interpreting a son's emotion in the only possible way. She has been ill a long time, influenza, complicated by heart trouble. But she would not hear of your being sent for until someone happened to mention, late last night, that the North Devons were under orders for India. Then she yielded, fearing lest, even if she rallied, she might never see you again. Nico, you are just in time. It is a strange thing that you should happen to be so near. Tomorrow would have been too late. "'Oh, thank heaven for that small mercy!' muttered Jays, hurrying towards the house without another word. Mortimer gazed after him pityingly. He has taken it worse than I would have imagined, he thought, though not altogether with surprise, because big stolid men of the Jays' stamp often break down more completely under the stress of sudden grief than those of a more nervous temperament. He could not know the true motive inspiring that curt thanksgiving to Providence. Mrs. Jays was far beyond the stage when a lifelong acquaintance with Army Ways must have set her wondering how Nico came to be by her side so promptly. She smiled a welcome and feebly pressed his hands. And that was all. The mother passed away into the long night without ever a moment of real anguish caused by her soldier son. He roused himself from a stupor of grief in order to cable the disastrous tidings to Bob in bulawayo and to Nigel, the student of the family, now earning fame as a railway construction engineer in the Argentine. The problem presented itself. Should he tell Lily at once? The hour was rather late. She would be preparing for the theatre, and the suddenness of the thing might interfere with her work. He decided with a certain grimness that the business of the Pandora Theatre took precedence over his private affairs. So he wrote, Next morning came a telegram. My love and heartfelt sympathy with you in your irreparable loss. Lily. It comforted him, strangely. No matter what clouds there were in his life, Lily always rang true. She could have chosen no phrase more grateful, more subtly healing. It was Lily herself speaking, tender-hearted, affectionate, impulsive Lily Paradel. His mother's will, named as her executor or executors, such of my sons as may happen to reside in the United Kingdom at the time of my death. The tears rose to the man's eyes when he heard the simple words. They had come from no lawyer-like mint. They were eloquent of the unswerving devotion of an Englishwoman to England her husband, her sons, she herself during many years, had they not gone, each and all, north and south, east and west, when duty called? Scattered from pole to pole, charting the trackless depths of ocean, the bones of our English dead mark the ever-widening bounds of empire. And who knew it better than she? During the forty years of her life, since she became a woman, she had always been ready to die— or to suffer a loss more bitter than death in the service of her country. Yet the gods were kind to her. Her three sons were alive, and she herself was laid to rest by the side of her dear husband. So the black days passed, and Jays scarce realized all that he had lost until he found himself in London once more, bereft of a mother he had loved more than he knew, and minus a profession." At first he shrank, almost with terror, from the well-meaning inquiries of friends. Hello, Nico," some man in the army who knew him would say. "'Sorry to hear of your bad news. "'But why, the Dickens, did you chuck the service?' Then, when his old battalion was hurried to the front to get licked into shape in one of Britain's little wars beyond the Indus, some heedless blatherer would condole with him. "'Rotten bad luck for you, Nico, leaving the regiment before you heard of this scrap. "'It's not going to be a walkover. "'You saw that poor Montague and Lawson were nipped in a rear-guard action the other day.' "'Yes, he knew. "'Montague was junior major and Lawson senior captain. "'Jays would have obtained his majority four years ahead of the ordinary course of events. "'But why tell him that now?' "'He quitted the club.' Not only was this step made imperative by a rule forbidding continuous residence, but he had grown shy of meeting old brother officers. He took rooms in German Street, and flung himself headlong into the curiously mixed and cosmopolitan society which fluttered moth-like around the steady flame of the Pandora Theatre. Lily Paradell began by being genuinely concerned about his future. She urged him constantly to take up a secretaryship or something. She even offered to secure valuable introductions to city men by using the good offices of Carlton Smythe or Lionel Roper. But he rejected such intermediaries. "'Don't worry your pretty little head about me,' he would say. "'No matter what happens, I have more than enough to live on decently.' and some opening must present itself soon, which will pay me better than smugging at company law in the hope of earning a hundred and fifty a year. What good is that to you and me, now I ask you? What indeed? Added to his own six hundred, it meant hardly as much in twelve months as Lily Paradell earned in two. Her salary was one hundred pounds a week, and if so inclined, she could quadruple that sum during certain weeks in the season by appearing at private houses in the West End. On such occasions she was invariably urged to sing Mind the Paint. She had dozens of better songs in her repertoire, but there was always some foreign notability or American millionaire in the company anxious to hear the Mind the Paint girl in her most famous role. So Nico Jays, the erstwhile smart soldier, developed into a kind of retriever, trained to fetch and carry, and escort his mistress when required. But he lacked some of the fine qualities of the dog. He could be ill-tempered and peevish, and would snap unexpectedly. Then Lily would flare into rebellion, and hot words would fly and next day she would pet her dear old Nico, and soothe him into good behavior and placid servitude once more. Such a state of things could not endure. She was too high-spirited a girl, he too proud a man, to remain bound indefinitely by a tie so vague. Neither suspected it, but a crisis was approaching in their lives, and the hour of trial and real humiliation came when Robert Jays returned from South Africa. He, bluff and hardy man of the world, bronzed by the southern sun and taught by the free companionship of the veld, to judge his fellows openly and fearlessly, cast a critical eye over Nico and his surroundings, and, to use his own forcible phrasing, sized up the situation in a tick. "'You're running to seed here, dear boy,' he said, when the two were dining together, one night, soon after the elder brother's arrival in London.' What's come over you? You're not the same man I left here nearly three years ago. I was never more surprised in my life than when you wrote saying you had stopped following the drum. Of course we were all horribly cut up by the dear old Mater's death, and in a sense it was harder for you than for Nigel or myself. But bad as it was, that didn't account for your sudden collapse. What was it? What is it always or nine times out of ten? asked Nico morosely. A woman? Yes. The woman? One doesn't go to the devil for the sex at large, Bob. Robert Jays laughed. He was dissecting an orange deliberately. Of course, I meant the one woman with whom I have heard your name bracketed, the mind the paint girl. Her correct name is Lily Paradell, said the younger man sharply. "'Her stage name, yes. I have been told that her correct name is Upjohn, and that her father—she makes no secret of her birth or parentage,' broke in Nico. "'She has kept me dangling about unconscionably, I must admit, but for all that she is the best-hearted and cheeriest and most charming woman in London.' "'I haven't the least doubt of it,' agreed Robert instantly. Fellows who came out from home were always raving about her—' I almost regretted that business kept me so long on the wrong side of the line that I hadn't a chance of hearing her. They said she used to skip about the stage like a fairy. My dear fellow, you are talking of ancient history. Lily Paradel does ten times the work now that she did then. If you want to see her at her best, come with me to the Pandora Theatre tomorrow evening. Sorry, Nico, but I can't, tomorrow. I am booked for Peter Chalmers' uncle.' "'Peter is one of my partners, you know.' "'Well, that can stand over, but I want you to meet Lily. "'Tomorrow is her birthday. "'Other things being equal, I shall get up a little supper at Catani's "'after the theatre, say, eleven-thirty. "'Chalmers is a quiet old bird, I fancy, so you'll be free at that hour. "'Have a taxi waiting. "'They take you anywhere in ten minutes.' "'Bob did not answer at once. "'He signed to a waiter to bring the coffee and cigars.' "'Let me understand matters fully, Nico,' he said, when they were able to talk unreservedly once more. "'Are you engaged to Miss Paradell? "'Yes, in a sort of a way. "'But a man doesn't marry a woman in a sort of a way. "'I was going to explain. "'Lily and I were very good friends before she made the hit that put her bang in front "'of the musical-comedy stage. "'If I had married her then, all would have been well.' But I was in the army, and the mater was living, and there were, or there seemed to be, fifty good reasons for delay. So, like a fool, I played the waiting game. One minute. Did mother ever know? About Lily? No, not exactly, that is. She had heard something, and wrote me about it, discussing marriage with an actress as a general proposition. Need I tell you what line she took?' "'Robert Jays was endowed with the quality of tact "'in which his brother was so conspicuously lacking. "'He evaded the direct question by putting another. "'If I remember rightly,' he said, "'she died without knowing that you had sent in your papers.' "'Yes, thank the Lord.' "'Robert nodded. "'He was trying to help Nico over his fences. "'Sorry, but I interrupted you,' he said. "'Lily's success changed the whole perspective.' From being a chorus girl, earning a couple of guineas a week, she sprang to a thousand, two thousand, five thousand a year. One doesn't take such kangaroo jumps on an army pay-sheet. I stopped just where I was. With average luck, my princely remuneration might rise from eleven shillings seven pence a day to thirteen shillings seven pence in five or six years, if I behaved myself, and passed the staff examination. He spoke bitterly, and Robert was content to say, "'Of course, Nico, one doesn't enter the service to make money. For six generations there has always been a jaze with the colors. Till I made a fool of myself. I didn't imply that. I don't even think it. Like every other human institution, the army is changing. If it demands the whole time of good men, it will have to make it worth their while. But let us keep to the one topic, this indefinite engagement of yours.' It is not indefinite. Lily will marry me when I can afford to keep her in something like the style she has won for herself. I see. Of course, a young lady at the top of the theatrical set lives under heavy current expense. You could give her a better time on three thousand a year than she has now on five. In other words, you have to multiply your present income by five. How do you purpose doing it? Nico chuckled dryly and poured out a glass of port, "'I dislike arithmetical problems after dinner,' he said. "'Suppose you tell me something about your Bulawayo property. "'Bob, I wish to goodness you had gone into the service instead of me. "'To look at you now, it seems the silliest sort of nonsense "'that anyone should have regarded you as physical. "'There's a lot of silly things in the world "'which have the unfortunate drawback of being true.' the dry air of the veldt has done wonders for me but if i were to remain here during one cold raw damp spring i should be barking again but no jibbing Nikko. let's get this heart-to-heart talk finished now i'm not a marrying man for the best of reasons of course if my health continues to improve i may develop the amococcus microbe some fine day but without positive experience i formed a theory on the point If I loved a girl, and she loved me, I'd expect her to come along to Bulawayo, or any other old place. And give up five thousand a year that she was making off her own bat? Robert blew a big ring of smoke into the air, and shot a number of smaller rings through it. It's a deuce of a lot of money, he mused aloud. I fancy it can't last many years, and as I've said before, it really doesn't mean the same amount earned by a man as the head of a household." Let us balance the ledger. On the one side you have the theatre, day in and day out, with a few hours of giddy whirl strictly within the four-mile radius, artificial every minute of life, motor, dresses, hotel bills, jewellery, top rates for every mortal thing, not much left out of the five thou. On the other side the hypothetical Mrs. Jays would live a free, unfettered, delightful life in Rhodesia she'd move in good society, a damn sight better than she meets in London. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. Our people out there are the right sort, not the effeminate dandies and painted dolls who form the majority of any crowd you mix with in town. Dash it all, Nico, if the girl's heart is sound and her brain clear, she won't keep a man hanging after her here when happiness and a home are waiting for her out there. Robert Jays had made for him two rather long speeches, but he had said what he meant to say, while leaving unsaid those things which might hurt and rankle. So in that respect his remarks were a model of good oratory. Nico was more deeply moved than he cared to show. He remained silent for fully a minute. When he spoke, it was not to controvert his brother's philosophy, but to thank him. "'You're a decent chap, Bob,' he said." but that's nothing new. You are never anything else. Are you offering me a job on your farm? Yes, Peter and I, and Jim Dalby, of course, had a long jaw before I sailed. We want someone we can trust to act as our agent. We'd put you in the way of it, and one or other of us would be on the spot for a year or more, and in the meantime we'd be striking out in other directions.' There ain't millions in farming or trading, but there's a glorious life, and a comfortable one, and enough to provide for the missus and the kids when the rain falls. What do you say to it?' "'You don't want me to decide at once.' "'No, there's no special hurry. You can't expect any girl to make up her mind on such an important matter in less time than she'd take to choose a summer hat. You see, I'm allowing for the fact that you mean to consult Miss Paradell. Mind you, I'd be delighted if she'd marry you and come out. She must be a jolly decent sort of girl, if one quarter of what I've heard of her is correct. But there must be no shirking the issue, Nico. I hate to see you wasting the best years of your life in a way that's not—well, I must put it frankly, that's not creditable to you or to any of us, either those who are left or those who have gone.' A third long speech, but this time it held a barbed shaft that was not blunted because of a fraternal anxiety to come to the rescue. The younger man flushed deeply. He felt the thrust, and his incurable self-love was wounded. "'You haven't quite realized the difficulties that beset me,' he muttered. "'Somehow it sounds childish for a grown man to plead an infatuation as an excuse. But it exists, so why try to ignore it?' and there is one element in the situation which has escaped you. I might, I could have married Lily Paradell three years ago, and have remained in the army. Suppose I had. What a hullabaloo there would have been in the family. Great Scott! It would have caused almost as much heart-burning as if I had embezzled the canteen funds, and far more, I do honestly believe, than if I had done a bunk with the colonel's wife.' Robert laughed cheerfully. He had contrived to put his point of view unmistakably before his stiff-necked brother, and that would suffice. Conditions change as the years roll on, he said. Our dear old dad remembered the time when his regiment boasted the proud possession of a bottle-nosed major who could drink any officer in the British Army under the table. Nowadays that sort of major doesn't exist, in a mess at any rate. Nico felt that Bob had shelved the fresh discussion he was raising, and shelved it rather skillfully, too. "'We haven't settled about to-morrow night,' he said. "'If I arrange that party, will you come?' "'Delighted. Any possibility of an understanding being reached between you and the lady in the interim?' "'Yes, there's a chance. I'll be fetching her from the theatre to-night. "'When she's tired and inclined to be snappy, I'll go bail.' Not a word of it to-night, Nico, unless you want to fail at the first pop out of the box. Well, then, to-morrow afternoon, though being her birthday, she'll be having lots of callers. Don't press, dear boy. Colts on the curb, but fillies on the snaffle isn't half a bad rule. But should you have mentioned South Africa for the honeymoon, give me the office, that's all. And I'll shape my talk according, which is bad grammar, but I hate adverbs, don't you?' They ought to be kept for flappers' academies only. Nico saw the drift of his brother's outspoken diplomacy. The day of shuffling was past. It must be now or never for the loose end of the Jays family. He laid his plans cautiously, and was so thoughtful during the homeward drive from the Pandora that Lily chafed him about it. "'You remind me of Vincent Bland after tea,' she said. "'Why after tea, particularly?' he asked. "'because by that time he knows what has won the big race "'and is bothering his brains to account "'for the strange loss of form in the horse he backed. "'He bets rather a lot, doesn't he?' went on Jay's, "'feeling that the conversation was following a safe line. "'Far too much, and he has promised me to give it up "'I don't know how often. "'Oh, Nico, I'm glad you haven't got that failing. "'It would worry me dreadfully if you took to betting.' Jays smiled, though not because of an unctuous self-righteousness. He could not help thinking that next day he was taking an outside chance, which would have appalled even the sporting Vincent Bland, in proposing that the Mind the Paint girl should fly from London to the wilds of Rhodesia merely to oblige him, Nico Jays. But, vous l'avez voulu, Georges Dundin, vous l'avez voulu, and jays was just the kind of man who would blame anybody other than himself if the experiment went wrong eighteen months earlier lily had summed him up accurately with one lightning-clear glimpse of a woman's intuition chapter five